0: Welcome to the Hatching Curiosity Podcast, where homeschooling families cultivate innovation through curiosity, creativity, and critical thinking. I'm your host, Christina Hatch. You're listening to episode 12, Cultivating Compassion. Now, every week in the intro, you hear the mission of Hatching Curiosity to cultivate innovation through curiosity, creativity, and critical thinking. Yet yeah, all of this work and ambition isn't going to do any good in the world unless you have compassion. I like to call these the four C's of education, curiosity, creativity, critical thinking, and compassion. Honestly, a better word would probably be empathy, but that'll mess up this whole C thing I've got going on, so we're gonna just stick with it. I feel like to some degree, I don't really need to create this hugely compelling argument for compassion. Taking care of each other is a universally understood need. According to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the need to feel loved, connected and belong rest just above our physical needs for safety right now as we're studying asia and our co-op we're talking about the many different world religions christianity judaism islam hinduism buddhism jainism inevitably we touch on the golden rule do unto others as you would have others do unto you this concept is found in every major world religion the essence of humanity is understanding the need to think of others to treat them with respect and compassion, to try to see things from their point of view. I asked several moms what the most important thing their kids would be when they grew up, and among other amazing character traits, this is what I heard most. Learn to be kind to one another. Honest and good citizens and able to contribute um, to the people around them and to the world. Empathetic. Charity aware of those around them. I want them to be brave in who they are, and I want them to show and have love. As you can see, it's pretty universal as mothers to want to raise our children to be good, kind, charitable people. Yet in practice, this isn't always the way it is. So many times, the newspapers are plastered with racist, sexist, and hateful crimes rooted in ignorance. Even in our own neighborhoods, otherwise good people get caught in this us-versus-them mentality against one group or another and reserve their charity only for economically, physically, or ideally similar neighbors. Even in loving homes, the little bugs of selfishness, pride, and ignorance can seep in. How many of us have seen the Christmas list get longer and longer as they become more and more possessive over their toys? or an older sibling who watches their little brother cry with frustration over something they could have easily helped with. Kids often refuse to try new foods just because it looks weird or stare at someone different than them. Even offhanded remarks like, you run like a girl, or boys don't X, Y, Z, can plant the seeds of sexism if they're repeated over time. Now, before you get totally discouraged, all kids are going to do these things to some degree because one, They're human. Humans are selfish, have pride, and are ignorant. Despite our best efforts, that's just part of being human, to be imperfect. And kids are really just tiny humans learning the rules of our society. You can teach them the rules of our society through modeling, correcting, and teaching the concept of manners. The best definition I've ever heard for manners is, having good manners is made up of petty sacrifices for the comfort of others. Learning how to be gracious in uncomfortable situations will come with time and practice. Secondly, when children are young, it is the prime time to teach them right from wrong. To young children, things are very black and white. They find joy in expressing their understanding of what is good and right. And often in doing so, they contrast it with something different as being bad or wrong. So how do you teach your children your values without putting others down? what you know to be right, yet preserving their ability to seek to understand others before judging them. We've all been there in one form or another. When our kid, for example, will not stop drawing on their arms and on the furniture and on their legs and on their face. (laughs) And we tell them it's really important to keep our body clean, that drawing is just for paper, that our body is perfect just the way it is and doesn't need any marks on it. Then we go to the grocery store, and our kids see someone with tattoo sleeves. Mommy, why did that man draw all over himself? Shh. You need to go wash your arms. That was very naughty. Shh. I can't wash my arms. They're tattoos. What's a tattoo? It's a mark that doesn't come off. My mommy says that my body is perfect just the way it is, and that marking on it is wrong, and you should not have tattoos. Tattoos are bad. Meanwhile, we've completely disappeared into the serial display behind us in complete horror. Now, obviously, in this scenario, if your family doesn't believe in tattoos, you don't want to turn around and teach your daughter that it's totally cool to have tattoos. Mixed messages are never a cool thing. And if you really believe that tattoos are wrong, you would want to teach your daughter the same values. Yet, we don't want to be chastising strangers in the grocery store or judging their entire character because of one decision that's different than her own. If the conversation ends there, the girl will keep thinking that that person with tattoos is naughty and may falsely tie other naughty things to people with tattoos. Eventually, she could end up subconsciously fearing people with tattoos instead of giving them a chance to judge them on their character and behavior. In this instance, the daughter provided a beautiful opportunity for the mother to model compassion by explaining that just because we don't mark our body doesn't mean that People who do are bad people. A more positive example comes from my nephew. My in-laws believe that drinking coffee is wrong. One day he was in my house and he saw the coffee pot on the counter and he said, do you drink coffee? I said, no, but your uncle does. So dads drink coffee? Well, some dads do. My dad doesn't. And then he pauses as he was processing his thoughts. You could see his brain just churning. And then he finally said, but that's okay. Different people make different choices. Oh, my heart. If everybody could think this way, that would change everything. One of the biggest things that you can do to teach compassion is to teach your kids right from wrong, but that other people view things differently, and that's okay. It is great to share your ideas and beliefs as long as you're willing to listen, too. That differences in appearance, lifestyle, or beliefs doesn't always mean that they're bad people, just that they make different choices or appear different. The way you approach an idealistic difference is by explaining your values and why you have them, to encourage them to follow those same values, but also explain that even if someone does something different, they can still be a good person. With physical differences, I always like to tell my kids that we are just made that way and compare other differences between people. Some people are tall, some people are short, some are fast, some are slow, some have blue eyes and some have brown eyes, some have white skin and some have brown skin, etc., adding whatever difference they're concerned about at that moment at the end. Sometimes it can lead to other discussions and I just try to be factual, explain the difference in melanin, how fat is formed, where babies come from, how sometimes after an accident, an arm can't be saved and has to be amputated, and then focus on what we have in common to bridge the difference. This Martin Luther King Day, I played a portion of the I Have a Dream speech for my children. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. It was so beautiful and so profound that even not knowing the context of the speech, my young children were moved by his words. We all want this to be true. But to make his dream a reality, we need to be aware of the messages we are sending our children. Who is scary? Who is wrong? Who is bad? There are things in this world that are wrong, and we absolutely need to stand up for what is right. We just need to be careful that in teaching our children right from wrong, that we don't inadvertently tie bias to those teachings. At the heart of this, it's framing how we view different. Beyond teaching them that diversity of opinions and appearance exist, we need to help them see the beauty in that diversity. If you don't live in a very diverse neighborhood, travel. Travel. And if you can't travel, at the very least, expose them to different cultures and races through books, movies, and other experiences. Include women's and black history as a part of your regular history studies. Try celebrating holidays from around the world or trying food from other countries. A lot of how they will view the world will come from how you interact with it. Are new things scary, gross, weird, or wrong? Or are they new, exciting, and interesting? Pay attention to how you react in situations you don't typically find yourself in. Compliment other cultures in the beauty you see in them. Is their music lively? Are their homes colorful and bright? Is their food rich and flavorful? Is their black hair smooth and shiny? Do their green eyes change color in the light? Do they have a reverence and respect for their elders? What good can you find? And what connections can you make? Focusing on similarities over differences can build relationships faster than anything else. It's funny how closing the gap between people can open the world to your little ones. Hey, look, they love soccer too. Or wow, we both believe in God. Or man, that food looks delicious. I wonder how they made it. This is why geography is so important. Knowing other places makes them feel at home wherever they are. Love leads to compassion. Once they feel at home and connected with others, they see the beauty in their differences and really start to know them, they will start to love them. Where there is love, they really seek for understanding. This seeking for understanding comes from a place of genuine curiosity and empathy. And once they understand them, they will want to help them reach their goals and live their truth. Understanding dispels fear and will heal the world one interaction at a time. This compassion can work in your own walls by making connections and celebrating differences between siblings or extend across the world by offering meaningful service and aid abroad. As you cultivate compassion, you'll notice your kids are slower to judge, seek to understand, then to be understood, serve others, view the world with curiosity and optimism, but most importantly, they will love people and help others to love themselves. And that is powerful stuff. We have all had someone in our lives who has spoken life into us, who has seen the diamond under our rough and has pointed it out to us and helped us step into that person. Compassion is at the heart of seeing the beauty in others. If we can learn to be compassionate, as we innovate, we will create products and services that will help others rise into a better version of themselves. Every generation that helps a minority rise by really seeing them as strong, beautiful, capable people slowly heals the tears in our society. Every person who sets their fears and their pride aside to see other worldviews may be different, but also have an element of light and have value in them, strips power from the politics that pit us against each other. Love is the one great truth. We all know it. It's just a matter of overcoming our own bias, habits, and fears so that our kids are free to see the world as it is. Now, if you're thinking, I don't have any bias, I don't have any fears, I would like to challenge you to pay closer attention to yourself. What kind of things make you nervous? What kind of things set you on edge? And where is that nervousness coming from? cause sometimes it's totally legitimate. It's coming from a place of wanting to protect ourselves and our family, but sometimes that nervousness may just be a habit of the culture that you've never taken the time to notice before. This world really is a beautiful, diverse, and curious place. And to cultivate this compassion, you'll teach the manners, right from wrong, how to be gracious, slow to judge, and that different is beautiful. Show them how to love new things and embrace new people. Until next episode, always choose kind and stay curious. Compassion will follow.